Welcome to another episode of the Crocker Report Podcast. I am your guy, Damian Parson, with Jonathan Hagler and Eugene Holt. What's going on, fellas? What's happening? Hey, man. So we are pretty much introducing a, you know, as the, as the draft, it, I would say slowly approaches, but it's actually coming very quickly, in my opinion. Like, You're we right blinked, and uh, we were, we're already through February and uh, almost halfway through March. So the draft will be here before we know it. And we're, this is uh, pretty much the first installment of our Cluster Buster series. We're going to go through different uh, draft positions and just kind of rank them and break, break up the cluster. And we're starting off with the position that's going, that really is the highest paid position in the NFL you know, and that's the Q, that's the QBs, right? We we just we see it all the time. QBs get paid the most, and right now everybody's clamoring. There's so many teams in the top 15 that need quarterbacks, and uh, and that could take quarterbacks. So we're gonna break that cluster up, rank these guys. So let's go ahead and get jumped into that. But to start it off, we're gonna start it off from yesterday. Let's let's go back 24 hours where. Trey Lance delivered and finished and completed his pro day. Uh, what would, you know, I'm going to start with you, Hag. What was uh, your takeaway from his, uh, from watching his pro day? Well, the first thing, you know, about Trey Lance that, that I wanted to see, um, and we were talking about it prior, was footwork. Like, we saw some different footwork from Trey Lance throughout, you know, the, the last year and a half, which was, um, it was, it was odd, odd enough coming from a quarterback that played under center a lot. And he's young. He's still 20 years old. But um, the thing that jumped out of me was it was like a laser. Like, I, I like when I see quarterbacks with that whip, laser, whatever. It just looks good when the ball comes out. He was delivering strikes all over the field. He clearly showed off, like, he has the strongest arm, in, in my my opinion, in this draft class of, of the of the top-tier quarterbacks. And that was great to see because people really got to see it. And people who aren't huge Football, football heads, they don't really get to see North Dakota State a lot, even though they dominate the FCS level. But these are all things that Trey Lance did in his year in one game at North Dakota State. Um, the pro day set up, you know, it was coordinated. I, you know, Quincy Avery is his QB coach. I really like the way that they laid out his pro day. Um, they challenged him. He moved around. He had different throws off different platforms. And, and you see it a lot with Quincy Avery when he works with quarterbacks. He challenges his guys. And that was probably the thing that stood out the most. It wasn't a walk in the park pro day. Um, Trey Lance got a chance to show off all of his all of his cards, like the athleticism, the the body. He looks good. Um, it's just everything, the arm talent, all of it, and that that culminated all together. And it was pretty impressive for me. Um, you know, coming into the day, I thought highly of him before. It cemented a lot of things for me. It shows that he he is really serious about it because he improved on questions that we had. Uh, whether it be footwork, whether can he do this, can he do that, because he has such a small sample size. So that's the thing that stood out the most about his pro day. He just he put it all together, and I really I really was uh, pleased by his pro day. Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, what say you, Eugene? What was your takeaway? Um, it was pretty much confirmation from what we saw in 2019. We knew he was a superior athlete. We knew he had a live arm. Um, from what we've seen at the pro day, uh, like Hag said, they had him throwing off of different platforms and they had him uh, working his footwork. So you can see the technical aspect, which, it, with, with, uh, which was a but, uh, what it's a knock on him. But you saw the footwork, you saw that he's working, and you saw mainly that he's coachable. So pretty much you see that what he brings to an NFL offense, both athletically and, from, and in terms of he's a, his ability to learn. Because, I mean, 
going from that one meaningless exhibition game this year, everybody was down on him because he didn't look all that good. But now you see his mechanics are sharp. You see he's been working, and you and you see that that ridiculous arm talent is still there. So pretty much it was just a confirmation of what we thought of him as a prospect uh, early on. Definitely. I mean, I'm I'm with you guys on that as well. I, I just like I said, the, the arm talent we knew. We knew that, you know, watching tape of him over the summer, the ball jumps off of his arm. Like Hag said, he has the best arm out of the top quarterbacks in this class, including Trevor Lawrence. Like, Trevor Lawrence has a cannon himself, but the, it's, it's different. When you see the ball literally launch from Trey Lance's arm, it, it, it's like a rocket. It, it's, it's incredible to watch. Um, I love some of, the, some of the deep balls that he did connect with. He didn't connect with all of them. Um, you know, that's just something that he still, you know, like Hags, he's 20. He's played 17 games. All that comes with reps. The same way we talked about with Justin Fields and getting through his reads, it comes with reps. So watching Trey Lance, it, it was one, I think it was a um, guy was lined up kind of like a nasty split. Um, and I think he ran like kind of almost a, a, a seven route, corner route. And Lance put it on the money. And it was a beautiful ball. And I was like, man, like. It, it was it was a highlight of the day for real, and it was just like just watching him. The one thing I, the one thing that I, I want people to understand is you wouldn't be able to see, you didn't weren't able to see. It's just how his vision to me out of all these quarterbacks, maybe outside of Mac Jones, he has the best vision in terms of getting through his reads and how pro- quickly he processes things. Um, you know, they talked about it during the broadcast. He's probably one of the only you know again maybe I think maybe Mac Jones is the other that has full command of his offense at the line of scrimmage, checking yep. protections, checking in and out of calls. He, we know that that's something a lot of rookie QBs struggle with. He's already ahead of the curve in that regard. So while when he gets into a training camp and he's mastering the offense and different things like that, he kind of already knows how to handle protections and check in and out of, out of calls. So then he can, he can more so focus on himself, his footwork, his accuracy, his ball placement as he wants uh, to continue to improve. But I think he, he did he, – I think he did wonderful. I heard um, uh, Lance Zerline said, asked, talk about him not being a gunslinger. And I'm like, I mean, is he going to put the ball in harm's way if that's what you want to call a gunslinger? That's not always a good thing. That's not a good thing. So I was like yeah. – no, he's not going to do that because they, they asked the question because he only threw one interception. It was like, well, you know, uh, you know, that, that leads him not being a gunslinger. No, that's a good thing. Like, I want you to protect the football, but make the throws where, where he needs to. And, um, and, and I just I, – I love the kid. And I don't know – like I said, I'm not doing my rankings just yet. That, that, and we're going to talk about that cluster, that two, three, four, and five – like it, it, they're all lumped together, but um, kind of like the, the 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 secondary question I have for you guys is, and, and Eugene, I'll start with you on this one. How much stock should we put into these pro days? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, there's no combine. We already know that, so combines would have already been passed anyway. So it's literally pro day or bust for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. How much stock should we put in these pro days? Not a ton, not a ton. If you've done your homework on the player beforehand, you trust that over you over what you see at the pro day. Your pro day is pretty much you use that to confirm what you already thought about him. If, if you think a player runs well, then you watch what his 40 time is and like, okay, yeah, he really does run well. Um, you look at what he, what he's doing as far as the drills that he's doing. Like, for example, Trey Lance, you looked at the uh, film where you saw him taking snaps from under center. You saw him uh, the way he was dropping back. You look for his mechanics. You look for how sharp their mechanics are, how prepared they are for the workout 
that, that speaks to how seriously they're taking their craft. But um, as far as if you look at a pro day and you and you moving somebody up your rankings because of a pro day, then that's kind of a backwards way of scouting. But I mean, pro day pretty much is just another piece to the puzzle of of that player that you're evaluating. Yeah, um, I think for the quarterbacks, it matters a little bit more. Um, you know, for the overall position guys, I think it's very important because just because you haven't really seen them. More important for the guys who aren't on primetime TV all the time uh, that scouts didn't really get a chance to go see. Um, I'm not a huge, like, hey, he just ran a 4-3. You know, all of a sudden he's, he's in the first round for me now. It's like, yeah, if I didn't see 4-3 on tape, I'm not going to be, you know, clamoring, you know, saying to throw you into the first round. All that's going to do is help me submit my evaluation, like Eugene says. But quarterbacks, I feel like it's, with this cluster of guys, I feel like it, it is important if you have guys graded out similarly, right? So if I'm trying to decide between, you know, maybe Trevor isn't my QB1 on my board for my team, and I go to his, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones Pro Day, and I'm just like, huh, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields really blew me away. I might take him. Um, it gives you a chance to go back and look at what did he improve on, like, has he fixed his delivery some? Has has his footwork cleaned up? Is he putting in the work? Is is he does he have the metal to to improve on a consistent basis, like a Peyton Manning or like a Tom Brady? Are they diligent with the details and putting the time in that's going to be required? And that's what I want to see. I want to see improvement. I, I just want to see the the things that I have on my initial scouting report from the film. I want to see those things fixed on pro day. You know, I don't want to see lazy footwork like we did from like, – like we saw from Lance uh, against Central Arkansas. But then we saw him pro day, got cleaned up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was it, it was just – he was trying to be, I don't know, too smooth. Um, I, I guess uh, – I don't I don't know. And it was, it, it's cool, but it's not – that's not what – that's not realistic. And um, I think he really improved that. So stuff like that matters to me more than anything. Definitely. I, and I, I, like I said, both of you make great points. And I'm right there with you. Uh, for skill positions, I mean, not so, to me, not so much. You know what I mean? It, to see, I don't need to see Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle run a complete route tree at their pro day because it's on tape. You know what I mean? It's on tape. I don't need to see that. Now, would I like to see Jalen Waddle bust a 4 2 6 in the 40? Of course I would. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. that's a little different. But with the quarterbacks, like, like Hag said, that's where I, I do want to see that. I want, I'm, I'm so excited to see uh, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson's pro day now, Mac Jones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't. I didn't really look it up about Jamie Newman's pro day or anything like that. I don't know if he's going to be at Georgia or Wake Forest or how he's handling his whole thing. But you know, if he has a pro day, I want to see his as well. You know, because you want to see those. Did you clean up these things? Like, like we talked about. Like you talked about Eugene with the footwork for Lance. His footwork looks so much smoother, much more cleaner. They talked about it during the broadcast how uh, Quincy Avery was working on tightening up his uh, his release, his throwing motion, because it was a little bit elongated. And we know every every millisecond counts in the NFL. You you hitch too long, that's an interception or that's a PBU, right? So um, mm-hmm. so that that's you know that's where like like Hack said, that's where for QBs it matters most for the uh, pro days. Because like you said, there's a lot of guys that did uh, opt out. Or didn't play a full like Justin Fields played what six games? Mac Jones played what twelve? You know Trey Lance played one. Um, 
Trevor Lawrence played, I think, 10 or 11 or whatever, how many games. It's a, you know, from a variety, it's a variety standpoint of how many games guys played. So getting them on the field, being able to see them work out, it for the QBs so much more so, it definitely matters. Uh, Maybe for me, I would say like defensive, uh, like DNs and edge rushers, seeing them go through the, the the ring the ring drills and the agility drills the yep. bend yeah, drills you know, great, all that stuff just seeing how loose their hips are do they have oily hips are they stiff can they move can they bend can they uh, shift weight and drop weight in order to beat defend beat uh, their their um, opponents so those things matter but definitely I agree with you guys wholeheartedly now like I said it's QB cluster buster. One thing we don't have to bust is we know number one pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. QB1 for yeah. nearly 99.999% of people is exactly. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> exactly. So that we don't have to worry about. But looking at, like I said, the draft starts at number two. We got the New York Jets on the clock, and you, you, you have Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. And then, of course, you know, rounding out the top five was Mac Jones, which during the season people had Kyle Trask. But once, you know, you kind of really, really, truly studied the tape and saw the lack of arm talent and things like that, he dropped off a it's little really bit. really not that close. I think after my top five is obviously the, the – my top five is the consensus top five. Mm-hmm. Now, the order may be a little different, but once you get after like, – because Mac Jones is really, really, really good. Yeah. Now, he may not be in the – he may not have the raw talent that Lance has, Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does a lot of stuff better than Lance right now. Yeah, and and right you now, saw yeah. given the age, yeah, age factor. But he isn't as, oh my gosh, as Fields or Wilson, right? Or or Lawrence. But after five, it drops. Like the, mm-hmm. the stuff you pick apart Mac Jones about um, are things that he just does flat out better than whether it be Munn, Mills, Newman, whoever you want to throw in there. Like it's a drop off. It's a yeah. big drop off. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, right now, I mean, like I said, looking at the main because the main cluster is two, three, and four. You know, Mac Jones. I think I think all of us probably agree. Mac Jones is he rounds out the top five, but that yeah. Wilson, Lance, and Fields is the debate. Like you know, yeah. and right now on Twitter, it is a fiery debate between Wilson and Fields. Like you got. Mm-hmm. People are like, man, you know, Fields. And that's why I put out the tweet that I did the other day. I just got tired of seeing the, the, the recycled narratives like, oh, but West, uh, Northwestern and uh, Indiana, he didn't play well. And I'm like, okay, well, Zach Wilson struggled against Coastal. They beat him up. Put it, put it like this, right? No, I didn't want, want to cut you. No, you People, we point out that Northwestern game, right? That Northwestern team is flat out one of the most talented teams in the country. If you just look at it from a draft perspective, right? Yeah. Now, now, now let's let's look at it from a defensive perspective. All right. So he's down Chris Olave, right? He's down a first round pick. He's down his number one receiver. So now he's relying on his two, three, and four receivers, right? And Olave is a dude. Yes. Right. So what do you not want to you going to the Northwestern game? What's the worst case scenario that could happen if you're a quarterback? My number one receiver goes down, and now my number two guy is on the guy who's surging up draft boards who just jumped into the top 25 in the draft, Greg, Greg Newsom, right? <laughs> oh, but then, oh, but then let's look on the other side. They're, they're one aside from Sertain and Job and, uh, and Campbell and Stokes, they're the highest-graded corner duo in the country, right? They're both allowing under 40% completion. Absurd numbers, right? Oh, well, let's go look at safety. You got Brandon Joseph, who's probably going to be a first or second round pick next year, who's an All-American, who's just a, a flat-out dude. Yeah. 
And I'm putting that against Justin Fields, Ohio State talented, right? But I'm down my guy, mm-hmm. right? So now I can pay more attention to the passing game. Clearly, Northwestern has the advantage um, in, in, in notice. Like they're sending all these blitzes and all these pressures at him, and I can match up with you because guess what? My dude is just as good as your dude. You know what I mean? My four three corner can run with um, can run with uh, Gary Wilson. I'm not worried about you. My All American safety can match up with your tight ends, and and, and they cause issues. So like that, yeah, it's a good game from an evaluation standpoint if you want to see him tested. But like I can I can ignore the other games where he just flat out dominated. I can't ignore the sixty five yard bomb that he threw on Clemson after he got knocked down. I can't ignore all the good things that he's done over the last year and a half because he's really really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's 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 hard. It's like it, I'm torn between Fields and Wilson because I watch Wilson and I'm like, man, this is, he he he's got it. Like he's got something to him, and I see it. I see I see him moving around. I see that whip like arm, and I and I see him make these throws, and it's impressive. And it, I see so much Aaron Rodgers like style, like style play to his game. But then I see Justin Fields, and I'm like, am I overthinking this? Like <laughs> I think I'm overthinking this because he's he's good. Yeah, he's six three, two twenty five, and runs a four three four four. Like he's tough. He has the arm. Like who can mm-hmm. sit up there first of all with a hurt rib, whatever it is, and throw sixty five yards? Yeah, like that's yeah. insane. So we're talking about tools here, right? We're talking about moxie. We're talking about grit. We're talking about all these things, right? In any other year, it'd be QB one. Exactly. You know yep. what I'm saying? So like, for me, I'm torn on it. It does get tiring. If anything, you just talk about how good they both are without trying to tear them both down. Mm-hmm. And and it's a hard conversation because I think those two for me are ahead of Lance, but I'm also looking at it long term. If Lance lands in the right situation, say we throw Lance in Denver or San Francisco, hell, he could be a damn three-time Super Bowl champion before he's 27. You know what I mean? I think about Lance throwing to Judy and Hamler and all and and, Font and with these running backs and the in the, the defense and they they upgrade the secondary a little bit. Or we throw him in San Francisco and he's got Kittle, Ayuk, Debo. Shanahan, and, and, and all these pieces, right? He can easily be the best one. But right now, I think Fields and Wilson are 2A and 2B. Like, I, don't, I think it's, it's going to be offensive fit as far as who's going to have who, – who's going to do better early on and, and who's going to have the most success because they're different players, but they're both extremely talented. Definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Eugene, what would you, we'll say you, man. I would say, like, it's fair to say, like, the fourth-ranked quarterback may have the highest upside of all of them. And that, and I w- I'm talking about Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Um, as, well, starting with Trey Lance, I say he might have the highest upside because um, everybody talks about level of competition. So I'm going to talk about level of competition the other way around because that North Dakota State offense that he runs, the response, they put a lot on their quarterback's plate from a mental standpoint, uh, uh, protections, uh, the passing concepts, setting the protections at the line of scrimmage, reading the blitzes, all, all of that is pretty much the same stuff that they do at the NFL level. And a lot of that stuff at the college level, coaches ask the center to do. But at North Dakota State, they're asked their quarterbacks to do all of that processing at the line of scrim- scrimmage, post-snap and pre-snap. So they come out with a a better understanding of the passing concepts and what the defensive uh, units are trying to do with them. We saw it with Carson Wentz. Everybody said, like, during his pro days, he wowed him at the chalk, at the chalkboard. Uh, Easton Stick got him into the league because he was smart. You saw it 
now you see it now with Trey Lance. That's a product of that North Dakota State offense. Those quarterbacks come out mentally prepared. And so I think the main knock on Trey Lance is lack of exposure. We only seen one season of him, and we only seen a pro day in another game of him, and that's it. So we didn't get to see his development as much as the other guys. So that's why I say he has much upside because he does, he has the ridiculous talent. And I think he has the latent ability to be one of the smarter quarterbacks in the game. But as of right now, we know Trevor Lawrence is, is number one, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields is the real argument at two and three. And for the, just, just how Hag laid it out with uh, Justin Fields. I mean, that, that that's a winner. When you see the guy, he, his ribs was broken when he got hit. Them ribs was broke. We yeah. saw it. We saw his face. Hey, that doesn't feel good. Broken. I promise you it don't. Yeah. But and he got right back up, literally walked it off, and the next series was throwing dimes. And like that's a winner. That's a win yeah. over I anything like else. Yeah, that's overall all of that's a winner. That's somebody a coach is gonna be like, that guy's gonna win me a game. So and and then you t- you factor in the physical ability. He's got the rocket arm, and they say they say he can't go through progressions. Yes, he can. And for and for a simple fact that he changed what they do at that at that Ohio State offense. When Dwayne Haskins was there, it would, you could say he didn't go through progressions. They was they doing one read and go. But you saw right there, uh, Justin Fields. They're doing a whole lot more with him. He's going through his one two three and. Uh, one, two, three reads, and he's and he's checking the defense at the line of scrimmage post snap mm-hmm. and pre snap. So just for the fact that the coaches have felt comfortable putting that on his plate speaks to the mental aspect of his game. So I think, I mean, honestly, we I think we're splitting hairs with like three ex- or four excellent quarterbacks. So, yeah. but we're being forced to rank them. They're all excellent, but we're being forced to rank them. And then you think, then you look at Zach Wilson. You see the plays that he can make outside of a structure. When a play breaks down, he still can make a play, and he can make a big play. So it's it's like uh, what uh, okay, he can make plays out of structure, which is, which is absolutely necessary in the league now. And what he what he can do in structure because he is deadly accurate. He I mean he throws dimes himself, and he's got the mobility. He can make you pay with his legs. It's it's really hard to separate all of them. Um. I would put at this right now. I got Fields still as my QB two, and I got uh, and I got uh, Zach Wilson as three, just for the simple fact that we saw adversity with both quarterbacks mm-hmm. um, against Coastal Carolina. He got, I mean, Zach Wilson got beat up a little bit. He got beat up a little bit, and it probably was the first time. Yeah, it was probably was the first time he, he had that type of adversity. But he didn't respond well, and I'm sure the next time he gets adversity, he's going to respond better. But we saw. And I think it was one of the only times that the competition was just as good as his team. Yes, yeah. This year, every every other every other time, BYU outgunned, outmatched everybody that they played. Mm-hmm. It was obvious right. whether it be uh, they have a better O line, whether they're tight end, whether it be the the receiver, um, whether it be Wilson. They had better guns than a lot of people, and people don't point that out enough. You know, um, like I hate. Because uh, I'm from Alabama, so I, I'm I'm arguing with these Auburn and LSU fans all the time. Nobody talked about it with Burrow. No, nobody nobody talked about it with Burrow. No, and everybody bashed Tua, and everybody bashes the Bama guys for having talent. But when you drop the the level down of like these teams, so if I drop down to a group of five and I have BYU, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see how he plays against 
Coastal. It wasn't great. Let's see how he played against his schools in the past. It wasn't great. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, so you have those questions as well. You know what I mean? Or let's talk about Trey Lance having a better team than everybody. I played in the FCS. Like, they, they, they're they better, they're stronger than a lot of these other teams. Mm-hmm. I promise you. They, like, the way that they run in that program is legit. And people don't talk about it enough, and it kind of bothers me. It bothers me just because, like, they don't point those things out. Like, yeah. you, you give these other guys credit or you don't give enough credit to Mac Jones or you don't you don't you give too much to to um Zach Wilson but you don't give enough to Justin Fields or, or whether it be Trevor Lawrence because they have a talented roster because you their name recognition. And that, that bothers me and I think it plays a huge part in the evaluation. So it does. That's that's a great that's a really great point. Because I, I dealt with that last year a lot with the whole two and Joe Burrow thing. I had people, you know, in my timeline, I kept seeing tweets about, you know, well, two is only good because you know he's got four legitimate receivers. And I'm like, okay, are we gonna ignore the offensive line that that uh, Joe Burrow had? He had Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, Terrace Marshall. Like, we can't sit there. Joe Brady. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it was crazy because I'm like, you go back and look at the year before Joe Brady got there, and that Joe Burrow was not good. You know what I'm saying? You know, he, he was average. He was really real average. average. That whole offense was. So it was like, you know, every it was a perfect storm for them. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, okay, I'm going to knock Tua because Tua has all these weapons. Like, wait. Joe Burrow had all these weapons too. Like he he had a great OC, he had a great offensive line, running game, all that. He had one of the more versatile three, running backs in the game. In three the, in first the, round receivers, like three, two two first round receivers and maybe one a potential. third. Yeah, one potential. Yeah, maybe yeah. a third. But like you know, it's it just it, that whole argument was just. I, I couldn't. I really didn't like it. I'm like, come on, man, look yeah. at the traits. Stop, stop watching what's around them all the time. Let's look at the traits. Let's see what they do well, what they don't do well, what they can improve on, and then okay, let's measure it out to NFL standards. So that's how I, I look at the quarterback position. Uh, for me, I mean QB two. For me, I, I'm right. I'm kind of, you know, we're we're uh, hip, uh, locked at the hip. I'm with uh, y'all at QB2 with Justin Fields um, and with, at QB3. So QB3 for me was kind of a – it was kind of a toss-up, at, you know, between Wilson and Lance because he, just similar to Joe Burrow, you go back to the previous year for Zach Wilson, he wasn't great either. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I was watching um, – uh, what's the safety from you, uh, from from the Trojans? To uh, I can't pronounce his name. Yes. Yeah, Hafunga. So I was watching him in 2019, him and J2 Faley, and I was watching the BYU game. And don't get me wrong, there were flashes of the brilliance that we saw in 2020 from Zach Wilson, but the consistency was nowhere near close. Like, his his inability that that year to read the field, to diagnose coverages, he's throwing in the double coverages, just being really risky and 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 you know not careful with the football. And I was like, man, like he made a tremendous leap from one year to the next. But at the same time, the, the level of competition is different. He didn't play U.S. Yeah, he didn't play, you know, some of the teams that he most likely would have played in 2020 without COVID. So he, he had to jump himself. And then just looking at the, the traits for Trey Lance, I'm like, both of these guys, supremely talented. You know, I look at, okay, accuracy ball placement. I would give the, 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 slight, the slight nod to Zach Wilson right now. Um, arm talent, athleticism, that goes to Trey Lance. 
And then you look at systems, pro style system over kind of like a, you know, more spread open system that they run at BYU for Zach Wilson. I'm giving the offensive system and the ability to adapt quicker to the NFL game. I'm giving that to Trey Lance because he's used to those things. So it's like, it was a toss up. So for me, me personally, I gave it to Zach Wilson mainly because I think Trey Lance, me, I look at it kind of the way I looked at Mahomes. I said, you give him a year to just sit, hold the clipboard, master your offense. Like, cause that, that was, that was, a, that was the biggest part of, of Mahomes' development. He didn't have to come in year two figuring it out. He knew that offense front to back because he sat behind Alex Smith as they went on to the playoffs. He got one game to show off his talent and get his feet wet. And he was like, okay, we know after that one game, Andrew was like, yeah, no, let's trade. As soon as we lose in the playoffs, let's go ahead and get rid of Alex Smith because we got our guy. So I think Zach, I think if, um, if Trey Lance falls into the right scenario that he sits, and I mean, a lot of people, because well, we know that, you know, uh, Cam Newton resigned with the Patriots. A lot of talk is like, what if the Patriots try to trade up? They, you know, because people wonder, like, why would, why would Belichick bring Cam Newton back? I've been telling people for, and Eugene can attest this, I've been telling people for a long time, I knew because the word was already out there. When, whenever Tom Brady left, whenever that moment was coming, Bill Belichick wanted to convert to a more mobile-style offense with the quarterback well, position. the way the NFL is changing. Exactly. And he's trying, to, yeah. he's trying to stick with the times. He, he doesn't want to pull a less miles and still be throwing the 38-toss sweep when everybody else is going spread option RPO game. Mm-hmm. So, they were so the game plan, boy. We played LSU his last year there, and they, was, they had, I think, Brandon Harris at quarterback. And it was like, oh. what? Yeah. Like, but uh, but yeah, the, I go back to the um, the the Lance and Wilson. You know, they're QB three and four for us. Uh, it wasn't necessarily Patrick Mahomes, but Josh Allen. He changed the way I looked at a lot of quarterbacks, right? Because I I saw it. I'm not huge on seeing big frame, huge arm, and just falling in love for him. Like I want to watch how you play, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and fairly new into it as far as like quarterbacks go. I was just like, I'm not sold, like. And he and I think if he lands on any other team, I don't think he has the success he has. I just don't like they did it the right way. Every every McDermott, you know, having that culture, them having that defense, whether it be you know arguably one of the best secondaries in the NFL, and and just the way that they do things, then they go out, they get them weapons. They they did it the right way. Matters so much more than where people had him ranked as a quarterback. I don't think if he lands. Uh, in Cleveland or anywhere else. I don't think he has the success that he has. And I think it gets overlooked sometimes because I think if Wilson and Lance somehow fall to one of those teams, whether it be a Denver or whether it be um, the 49ers or something, I think it's a problem for the whole NFL because I think they're going to shred because they're, they're both coming in situations where, you know, they have other good players around them and they're just a quarterback away. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. I think, that's the that's the issue more than anywhere as opposed to I think Fields and I think Lawrence and I think those guys are gonna do better no matter where they go. I think they're gonna be fine. Um Lawrence may struggle if they don't if they if the Jaguars don't hit it off right. But they have pieces in place for them to be successful. But if Lance and Wilson don't necessarily have the guys, like they have the right organization building them up, I think they're gonna struggle. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's not and, and and that's normal. I feel like that should be normal. I feel like the expectations on young quarterbacks is too high. I feel like um, I feel like even the Buccaneers with Jameis, I feel like they didn't do enough defensively. You know what I'm saying? It's sure, and they did it after he left, and they just brought in all the people. People forget that like these these guys who are dominant aside from Levante David, 
um, they weren't on the team. Like, it's some guys who, like, think about it. If I go in there, when you when you talk about the guys who dominated in the playoffs, uh, Bunting, Winfield, these are young guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Trey, uh, Trey Dean and um, is it Mer- who, who's the other corner? Uh, um, Trey Dean, Carlos Carson Davis. Yeah, call, young, call young corners. Summer. Yeah, young, young corners when he was right first there. So they're first, second year players, and they made they made this, this jump, right? So the whole secondary is basically new for them, right? Okay, now we have Devin White, this young freakish linebacker. Okay, offensively, you know, what I'm saying Chris Chris Godwin, you know, him, Mike Evans, they were uh, they were dominating before. But you bring in Gronk, he had a quiet great year, for mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And then you look at you look at what Fournette did, what Ronald Jones did. He was hurt while Jameis was there, but people forget. That he was out there winging it with just uh, Mike uh, Mike Evans and God- Godwin and O.J. Howard clearly didn't develop into the weapon they thought he'd be, but that's a whole different organization, right? So you're telling me like now he has a gunslinger mentality. He probably still throws interceptions. I'm not saying that, but if you have a good defense behind you, it helps you develop as a quarterback because now we're not having to go out there and risk all these crazy play calls, or we're not trailing uh, down 14 points. I'm not having to gunsling this, or we have a stable running game. I can give the ball to Fournette or Ronald Jones. I can do all those things, right? But if you get a young quarterback and you put them in a situation to where they're having to go out there and win games for you, just like flat out, just, hey, I need you to throw – I need to throw the ball 30, 40 times, they're probably going to throw more interceptions. Mm-hmm. Like they're probably going to be, you know, at more risk to get hurt. Like they're, they're not in a position to be truly successful. You see it with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And then like we were talking about him getting traded, and then he goes out there and makes these crazy passes and this 60-yard run and – he does all these good things, but the team is off. Yeah, the team's so terrible. We never will ne- yeah, so we never get a chance to see that. And that's what I want to see Wilson and Lance land. I want to see them get developed. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. No, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, and you brought up the Sean, you brought up the Sean McDermott and Josh Allen thing. Remember, Sean McDermott was a D.C. in Carolina when they had Cam. So he already yeah. knew kind of the blueprint of how that, mm-hmm. that style of quarterback what I need to do to build around them. And like you said, they, they went ahead and they upgraded the offensive line. They brought weapons for him. So mm-hmm. what did Josh Allen do going into his what, third season in the NFL? He's like, you know what? They, they've done everything else for me. Let me go ahead and get with a QB coach and work on my right. mechanics. Let me get better. Like, this is the same scheme. That's why I tell people, I can, and, and Eugene gets this, I've been telling people all, like even all 2019, in the beginning of 2020 when it came to Baker Mayfield, I'm like, Relax. Let's wait. Let's wait till Baker has this offense, this third offense in three years. Let's wait till Baker has this master. People overlook that stuff. People overlook the offense coordinators and like, like that change. Like you, I think you're hitting reboot every offseason. It's every like, offseason. Dang. You know, we saw Cam complain about like, you know, he's like, I didn't get a chance to learn it. No. He was like, it's not like this is just a normal. First of all, it's the Patriots. You know what I mean? So it was like, it's like it's not. It's not like I'm just getting a chance just to, to go in and learn. I'm having to relearn everything you know so mm-hmm. i signed late i wasn't studying any particular offense it's like now let me get an off season let me get an off season with these guys or, and baker and, and all these young guys look at Tua in college he had three coordinators in three years yeah. three, you know, so he's, three, he's going on four systems. and four years you know what i mean like, it's three different guys, systems yeah let these guys get settled man because i promise you, like the, the hardest thing as a player is you're just in the new terminology one not only as a rookie it's way more information on the next level uh, not only as a rookie as a young quarterback, and now you want me to lead an offense, and it's not impossible to do. It's just harder to do when you keep switching my coordinator, when I don't have consistent weapons. And so now now you're working against me instead of working with me. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. exactly. I, heard a, I heard a player say, like, learning a new offense is like learning a different language. 
and it takes mm-hmm. time to learn a new language. So if you if you learn one language and then they come in a year later and say, okay, it's time to learn a new language. And then they come in the next year, it's time to learn a new language. Uh, you said as a player, you have no base. You have no yep. nothing to fall back on to say, okay, this is what I know. This is my fundamentals right here. You never get comfortable. Yeah, exactly. You never get comfortable. And it's like, and it's hard to develop as, as a player if you don't know exactly what you're doing. You don't know exactly who you are as a player or what plays are what uh, fundamentally. So it's like where these guys land is so important because – some some franchises are looking for a, a quarterback to save them. Like like we don't have much on offense, but you can run around and make some plays and make something happen. That's detrimental to a quarterback. It's like a guy like Mac Jones, he's going to run your offense. He can run your offense very well. If you don't have the right type of weapons for him, then he's not mm-hmm. going to look very good running your offense because he's not a savior. He's not going to save your offense. But if you have weapons and you have a good concept on your offense, he's going to run your offense as a, at a very Absolutely. high level. Absolutely. That's what yep. it is. Yep. Like, where these guys go matters. Lo- location, location, location. We Lo- talk location, about that all the time. Location, location, location. And, we talk um, about that all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, it, looking at the – like, it's crazy because, like, you, you brought up a good point when we talk about languages, right? So yes. if you spend – you're telling me I spend four months – we move, and I spent four months in, in in Mexico. I have to learn his. I have to learn Spanish, right? Then, mm-hmm. once I think I'm finally getting used to Spanish, like, hey, next four months we living in France, so I, I gotta learn French now. Like, so okay, <laughs> four months I'm learning mm-hmm. French. I'm like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. Then, like, you know what? Hey, the next couple months we're gonna live in Italy, so I gotta learn Italian. Like, I gotta learn different. It, it doesn't make yeah. it doesn't make sense. You're not gonna be able to to fully comprehend the dialect and the language when you don't have enough time and you're constantly changing and that's the part i want people to to, i always want people to understand that man like context matters right so like you know that's why i said looking at these quarterbacks mac like you said mac jones you put mac jones in the in honestly you know, we talk. He talking about Denver. If Mac Johnson is in Denver with the weapons they have there, with a good offensive line, the up and coming defense, Mac Jones can put in work with those weapons in that run game. Yep. He can put in work. But now you throw Mac Jones. Now I'm not sure what happens if you throw him into Washington, right? Offensive line's a little bit in flux. They don't have a lot of weapons. They, you know, they, they do have a run game, young running back, and they got Terry McLaurin. And Logan Thomas, but again, they got to fix the old line. They got to get him another a weapon or two that's going to be consistent and reliable. The defense is good though, so that will help. But you know, just if you're looking you for somebody, Gibson. I mean, yeah, you, you got Gibson. I don't think it'd be a horrible. I think obviously, I think if you draft Mac Jones, I think obviously you need offensive line help. If mm-hmm. Washington does offensive yeah. line, and you need, I need another game breaker, right? At receiver, right? So yeah. I got McLaurin. He's a dude, right? I've got a security blanket with this, you know, do-it-all running back Gibson, right? So money, money, right? So you will try to set him up, say, try to make it like Alabama a little bit. So I got McLaurin. That's my, you know, 4-3 guy, whoever it is. You know, that's my that's my speed guy. Maybe I need one more. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I need me a Devontae Smith type. I need me a maybe another game breaker. You know what I mean? Like whoever it may be, whether you go grab Rondell Moore, uh, whoever, whoever. Whoever's your speed guy that you like. Yeah, I need offensive line, and I need another legitimate weapon. Whether that be I go grab somebody in free agency, whether I draft another guy fairly early, but he needs that. He's going to succeed in Washington yeah. at least. So it, 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 I like the I like the fit, but I don't love it because there's too many other variables that can that, that need to be done. But the defense is very attractive. Oh, the defense! Definitely. I feel like that's the most important thing for a quarterback. 
the defense. You see how good Jimmy G looked in San Francisco, right? You know what I mean? That defense was dominant. You know, we've got these running backs. We've got the stable of running backs. And then we got all these different types of weapons. I need that. I need that. So Definitely, definitely. I mean, so so like I said, I mean, right now our, our top five, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, Lance, Jones. But we're going to talk about six through seven uh, to close it out. I'm going to start with you, Hag. Who, who's your QB six right now? QB six for me. Honestly, it's probably Mills. Um, so, and it's because his name popped up, and it was a guy that I was late to watching, and, and some of you guys were talking about it in the group chat. And I went back and watched him. One, just do some, some information I got about Newman I wasn't in love with. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that, like, you know, I, I feel like the upside is there. Don't get me wrong. I feel like it's there. I feel like there's too many uh, variables going on with Newman, whether is he competitive, um, maybe some habits going on, you know, outside, whether it be, you know, down down in Mobile or just around, like, the football building. I don't know how dedicated he truly is to, like, this part of the game up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to root for him, and I think he, he could be. You know, it's not too late for him. But I like Mills. I like, you know, I like the build. I like the arm, arm strength, things like that. He just – he doesn't seem like he processes everything great right now for me. I feel like he misses uh, he misses a lot. Um, but then, he, he, like, his good is really good, but his bad is like, are, can you play? You know what I mean? Like, well, like, what were you looking at? Like, so David Mills is a guy that um, I like a lot. And then seven, I would have Newman. Um, just because, like, the it, it's too much there for me to ignore. And I don't want to be one of them guys who just is all off potential. But is there like the from the frame to the arm talent, arm strength, whatever you want to call it, to the ability? It's there, right? But like I said, I think the drop off from five to six is huge, and I think the drop off from six to seven is big as well. Like six and seven, I think there's a big, big, big drop off with those guys. Um, I would almost want to take. Trask over there, but I'm I'm just too much too much of a fan of of ability uh, right now as far as the development of guy. If I'm gonna take a developmental guy, I'm not gonna take the guy who I know has a noodle. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. So that's why I'm I'm rocking with Newman at seven, Emil's at six, and I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm I'm actually with you on that as well. Just for, like I, said, I haven't done a full deep dive. I watched you know. Um, probably about half a game and a half, whatever. I've seen Mills. I like what I saw from him, but like you said, there were some spots I'm just like, what was that? Like, you know, I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay, you know, just a little bit more consistency. He didn't, he didn't play, he doesn't have a ton of reps. So, you know, that kind of comes with the territory when you haven't played a whole lot. Um, but like I said, and Jamie Newman is at seven for me. I like I, said, I like Mills' accuracy, his ball placement, um, you know, his movement in the pocket as well. He seems like an intelligent guy, but he just has to get those reps to help processing to process the game quicker. We always talk about play speed over 40 speed from an athletic standpoint. Like, yeah, a guy can run a 4-3, but if he doesn't process well, he's not going to move as fast because he's too yeah. he's thinking too much. It's and a lot of 4 threes and 4 fours that run 4 sixes in game because they're thinking. Exactly, because they're thinking. Yeah. So, and that's the same thing with the quarterback. You see quarterbacks and guys who can't move from read to read, it's like no matter how intelligent you are, how much you know the offense, if you can't – if you're not comfortable going from one, two, and three, and you're just getting stuck in the halfway point of one and two, like you're, you're a deer in the headlights, yeah, no, that's, that's bad, that's bad business. It. 
they see it. Like I, I, I know when I was playing DB, I, I would I like playing games with quarterbacks that look flustered. Young quarterbacks are the funnest, right? So I, whether I be in my nickel spot or safety spot, I'm just like I'm messing with them, or I'd be mid route sometimes, like saying throw it. And they're like, what? Because like you're not you're not going through your your reads right. Like you're you're too worried about me right now. And I may be I may be the guy that you're reading right now for some type of blitz alert or whatever. But you're over here looking at me. Meanwhile, like that little hesitation that you just did, oh you you done messed up. All your time is messed up. So now everything's gonna be late. And I, I feel like those I feel like those guys who do it more are Mills. Lance was always under pressure, so it wasn't fair. Uh, not Lance. Uh, uh, Newman was always under Newman. pressure at, yeah. at Wake Forest, so it wasn't fair. They just look bad, but those guys tend to struggle a little bit more. In the NFL, they don't only get faster. Exactly. Like those guys are savants back then. They're smart, and they see it. Trust me, they see it. They see that little, oh, oh, oh you're hesitating. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, and like I said, Newman's my, Newman's my QB7. Um I, it's crazy. I, I, I'm trying to kick Kellen Mond. I, I was a big fan of Mond a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago. I, I just didn't. I, I'm not questioning that if he loved the game, but what we, what bothered me was I would see no emotion on his face, no no fire. Sometimes and I'm like, you know, you, you, I call it the Eli Manning look, where like you just look like you're just going through the motions, like you're just there. But you know, but Eli Manning was a baller. He was a gamer. He, you know, we know we yeah. know how good Eli was. So like, that's that's kind of the difference. I I think Mon. <laughs> that's the Eagles fan of you. Completely <laughs> forgot about Mon. I'm not like I had my notes. I've been watching so many other quarterbacks, and I just completely forgot about Mon. Like I'll, I'm yeah. I'm gonna admit that one. I would definitely take him over. Uh, I would take him over Newman right now. A hundred percent. Um, but yeah, keep going. My bad. No, you're good. Like I, I I'm just, I don't know. The, the, the traits between him and Newman are so close in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, um, the arm talent, both of them have good arms. Uh, both of them are extremely yeah. mobile, uh, can, can create, make things happen. It's just, I don't know for both, for me, for both of them, it's the, from the neck up, like, where are you from what's the neck up? Yeah. Like, what's going on up here? So, but I'm a, I'm gonna leave Newman there because I, I'm a big Newman guy. Like you said, off of soul ability and and just athletic traits all together. So, um, I got Mills at six and Newman at seven. What you got, Eugene? Um, I got uh, Mills at six. I mean, Mills at six, mine at seven, Newman at eight. Basically, those three are basically traits-based, upside-based, because I haven't seen – I haven't done a whole lot of mills. I've seen some, uh, but it's something there that, that can be worked with. All these guys are QB3 on a roster, and so you just stash them and just let them develop. I don't see any type of immediate impact with any of these guys. Um, I think Jamie Newman needs the most work, being as though he came from a broken offense – and then went to not playing for a year and then didn't look very well in the senior bowl, which is understandable because of the time off. So I think all of these guys are just like lumps of clay where a coaching staff can see, can mold them to what they want him to be. Um, Kyle Trask, I put him in a different category because I think I know exactly what Kyle Trask is. He's a backup quarterback. He's going to yeah. win you. He'll, if, yeah. you if your quarterback get, gets hurt for three games, he'll win you two out of those three games and keep you in the playoff line. He's gonna have he'll probably have the longest career in September. 
Yeah. Yeah, in September. Wait, he'll, have, he'll have like a 12-year career being a backup quarterback, and he'll make a boatload of money. He's going to be fine. If, if, we, if guy, we had to look at um, – if we had to look at these guys we're talking – so we, say we take um, – say we take Mills, uh, Mon, Newman, and Trask, right? Mm-hmm. Who would have the most A.J. McCarron-esque career? Who, who's the guy? Who, who's the guy who gets put into a game and does really well, and people get really excited about, and he almost gets that starter label? Who's the guy that signs a thirty million dollar contract off of one game? Who pulls a Matt Flynn? Mills. Think so? I think, think Mills gets in. Does well. I, I, think Mills. I can see it. I can see it. That's the that's the vibes I'm getting from Mills. Like when I watch him, because he could get in there and do some things. He like. Okay, he can play, but then he goes in there and throws four interceptions and Peter <laughs> Peterman's eye. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, was gonna say, I was going to say mine because, like, say he gets in the game and you see him running all around, like, oh, wow, he's got a, he's athletic. He's got an arm. You see him running around making plays. Somebody's going to think that he's – they can build something out of him, and then next thing you know, he's sitting on your bench making $23 million a year. Do you think Mond is more um, – I mean, obviously, this this guy had more hype coming into the year and had potential first overall um, the hype in the draft. Geno Smith is like, – who, who, who would be that guy? You think you think that's a, a good college guy? But Geno lit it up in college, and part of he that did. was the offense. Yeah. But – and I know he got hurt, and then, you know, he kind of just fell off. But he, I, I feel like – Kellen Mond, the thing with, with him, and I, I, I wish I liked him more. Obviously, I don't like a lot up here because you see it, but I think he's capable. You know what I mean? I don't like – I don't necessarily like that, that, that throwing motion that he has or that, that setup that he has. It looks a little herky-jerky-ish mm-hmm. um, getting into it. But when he throws the ball, it looks great. Um, so, you know, I'm just I'm just curious. About, I, was, I always like those comps. I don't necessarily love comps for other players. But I think it's only a certain – it's only a few quarterback styles. You know, and I feel like Mond has a different one than Newman, and Newman has a different one than Mills, and Mills and Trask are, you know, kind of similar, and not not because they're white, but I feel like they're both they're both in the pocket quarterbacks. Because I feel like we group quarterbacks too much together by race. Like like they all play the same position. You know what I mean? And just because a guy's athletic doesn't make mean he's gonna be you know Russell Wilson or Cam Newton. Exactly. So. Yeah, without a doubt, like. I mean, I, I like Kellen Mond. I like his traits. It's just, like I said, from the neck up, man, it's just like, what am I going to get? Like, I see you go toe-to-toe with Clemson one year where, you know. You, or LSU. Yeah, or LSU. And then the next year is just like, I'm just here. You know? When he throws it, when the ball comes out, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Our talent is there. It's just the head talent. The the physical tools are he, definitely he there. He doesn't do it for me. Like it's like um if the top four quarterbacks are like milkshakes with whipped cream and like cherries and all this other stuff, he's just like there. Like he's just like he's just like in a cup. And I'm just like, oh, I don't really want that one. Like I'm sure it's good. I'm, yeah, but I just don't really want that. I want I want these. Like these they look they they do it for me. Yeah, Kellen Mond. 
He's that milkshake that has that's in the foam cup with the top. You don't know what's in it. Yeah. You don't want to mess right. with it either. You're like, nope, I'm, that's fine. I'm going to take the ones that I actually can look at. Like right. I can see the sprinkles and then the cherry and the whipped cream yeah. and all that. I can see that with them. So I'm going to take that one. I'm not taking this mystery cup. There's no chance of that. So, you know, that's just that's how I look at, you know, when we, look, when we use that type of uh, analogy with Kellamon. But, I mean, yeah, listen, like this quarterback class is talented, you know, um, there's a lot of different styles and scheme fits for sure. And it's going to be fun to watch where these guys land. Like I said, me personally, like, like I told a couple guys, um, like Patriot fans, I'm like, well, what about Trey Lance? I'm like, listen, Belichick wants to get him. Uh, he wants to stick with this mobile theme. And that's why he brought Cam. That's one of the main reasons why he brought Cam back. That's cool. Because if you want Trey Lance with this 60 plus million dollars you have in cap space, you need to spend that in free agency to where your draft picks can be allocated to trading up for Trey Lance. You can't go, you know, bargain shopper and free agency like you do all the time and then say, you know what, I'm going to trade four picks over the next two seasons for top picks to go and get Trey Lance and you bring them into a terrible offense. Well, I want the Patriots to go Kyle Pitt, Rondell Moore. Boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Dude, listen. <laughs> I, my, my, like, this, this is what I want. Like, I, I want Trey Lance to come in and back up Cam Newton and learn. And, if, and the only way we, I want them to do that is if you go out there, like I was telling Eugene yesterday, you go out there and you say, you know what? We're going to trade Nikhil Harry, get a fourth rounder for him. I don't really care. Team's calling for him anyway. Let's go ahead and get him out of here. Go ahead and trade Cam believes in him, though. Cam does, and I mean, Cam's got a good heart. Um, you know, what I mean, but see, but see, Cam's real though. He is, he is. So, so I, I've, I've been around, I've been around like people that've been around him, man. Like it's seven on seven stuff, not just the video, but like when he's talking about kids, like he'll go out there and this the guy going to Auburn, or this the guy going to I don't know about that one. You know, so he's real. I think he's real when it comes to football. And I, I think that if he didn't see something in Nikhil, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yet. I don't know. Um, yeah. it doesn't. He, he does have, does a role for him. You know, maybe as a three or four receiver on somebody's exactly, roster. Yeah. Um, but he's not the number one guy that you you draft because he just he just isn't. He hasn't figured out how to create separation yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't learned. He hasn't learned how yet. And maybe maybe that's something he's he's working on now. But he just doesn't have it right now. Maybe he needs yeah. to drop a lot of weight. Who knows? But I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Probably about 10, 15 pounds or whatever. Get get lighter so you can be quicker with the movements. But if we were to trade them off, I say you go ahead and you you bring in Will Fuller. And I'm 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 saying you go full full steam, you go full like paycheck mode. You call up Will Fuller and you either look at Hunter Henry or dare I say you double up at the receiver position, you get Will Fuller and you try to pull off a Kenny Galladay. And then now you have an offense where it's like, okay, Cam can work, but I can come into this draft. I could trade our first round pick. I could trade our first next year and our second next year or whatever the case may be and go up and get a Trey Lance and make that happen with a Stephon Gilmore more, like, more than likely because, uh, you know, he only has one year left on this deal. I wouldn't be surprised to see him traded. But, that, that, you know, that's just a pipe dream for the, as a Patriot fan. But, um, you know, this cluster buster, you know, this, like this is our, our, our initial – uh, episode of Cluster Buster Series. We're going to talk running backs next next uh, next time because running backs is going to be a good discussion. There's a lot yeah. of different – there's a, ver- a variety. Like, this running back class is like walking into an ice cream shop. I'm like, okay, your flavor. 
what flavor do I oh, want? Yeah, and they're good. They're they're good. It's a bunch of good ones too. Yeah, like so. You know me. I'm you know me. I'm a running back guy. So I, I'm already working on my uh, you know, my top ten. I think I only did a top five in my life. So I'm working on the top ten now, yeah. and I'm going through uh, some more film with different guys. But listen, guys, we will be, we will be back with our cluster buster series as well as I think we're doing this fix the Cincinnati Bengals um, in the in next week when Mike comes back on the show. So definitely stay tuned with us because we will have a lot more content. I will have the episode or the, the uh, podcast with Israel Mukwamu uh, that will be up Sunday because we are recording on Saturday. So it'll be up in the morning, uh, up on Twitter and everything. So definitely be on the lookout for this in a couple of days, guys. But I am Damian Parson. That is Jonathan Hagelin and Eugene Holt. Y'all have a good one. Later. <laughs>